You know, that is a principle that even to this day, missionaries live by that. You know, there's many stories of missionaries going all over the world, and when they get to where they're going, they had almost nothing. But they never went without. Because God, through his people, or through other means if necessary, always makes sure that they're taken care of. You know, I've always heard that, that God equips who he calls. He doesn't call the equip. He equips those he calls. And one of the ways he equipped them was by giving them authority over the evil spirits. Another way he equipped them was to tell them to go in faith that I will meet your needs. Go in faith that I will meet your needs. I may use people to do it. But ultimately, it's me keeping my word because he promised he would always meet our needs. And he says, he goes on to say, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the town. Now, why would he say that? Well, how many of you remember a time when a missionary preacher came into town and he stayed at somebody's house? Anybody here remember a time like that? Yeah, I remember we had two or three different pastors come in from the uh, Baptist church there in Henryville. And they stayed at our house. And we had, uh, you know, we had made a room up for him. And uh, we, we had a provision set aside for him and everything that he needed. And uh, sometimes, I remember Dad even letting him use a car. Go visit, do things. So, Jesus wants us to go to the place where there's hospitality. And the first people who show that hospitality to you, you receive it. Now, if there becomes a competition later on, well, I can feed you more than they do, or I can feed you better than they do. No, that's not what it's about, folks. It's not about going to the place, uh, you know, where it's five-star accommodation it's about going to the place where God's people are there to receive you because not only are you there to minister to them but that allows them to minister to you it works both ways people it works both ways we should always be willing to accept someone else's graciousness to us and we don't snub that graciousness by saying well you know the joneses over here have more than you do so i'm sorry thank you for uh, what you've done for me so far but i'm going over here now where they have better accommodations and better food that's not a good way to do things and unfortunately we do have some uh preachers and missionaries today that seem to have forgotten this principle. He says, and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, (laughs) shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. You know, this is uh, an odd thing for us to think about today, but if you realize that back then, walking around through the desert and the sand with sandals on, you had plenty of dust 
in your shoes. <laughs> there was plenty of sand, plenty of dust to, to, to kick up. But here's the thing. When, when a minister comes to minister and to bring the word of God, he's not bringing his words. He's bringing God's word. So when they reject what he has brought to them, it's not him they're rejecting, but the God he serves they are rejecting. You know, so many people today, they don't want the minister coming to their house. They, you're not welcome. You, you show up, especially unannounced, <laughs> which I don't recommend anyway, but I've, I, you know, I can remember a time when pastors used to go, you know, out cold calling, they would call it. And there were a few people who didn't want anything to do with you. But most people were gracious, you know. And uh, Likewise, the ministers were usually gracious and didn't take a lot of their time either. But they would use that as an opportunity to invite them to come to church if they didn't already have a church home. Uh, You know, make them aware of events that's going on uh, at the church, whatever. But, you know, today, you have to be careful where you go and knock on somebody's door. And it don't matter if you're a pastor or not, you know. Sometimes, especially if you're a pastor, and people know it. uh, (laughs) uh, You just never know what you're going to get into. So the bottom line, though, is, is that God expects us in faith to share his word. But he also expects us to respect other people as we do it. It's just common sense. You should try to build a rapport of some kind with people before you try to go visit them. And you should schedule a visit with them, not surprise people. They might be in the middle of leaving for a vacation or something. And, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of of reasons. But culturally, we need to be respectful of other people's time, of their feelings, and... I've had people just flat out tell me, no, I don't want no visit. I don't want no pastor at my house. Okay. I will pray for you. (laughs) Pray that their heart changes and that their mind changes, but you can't force somebody to come to Christ. You can offer, but it's up to us individually to receive. But when they reject the message of God, the message of Jesus, then you give that testimony against them, shaking the dust off your feet. Now, I don't know how many of you remember, but in the Old Testament sometimes, they would, the prophet of old would shake his robe out and shake the dust off of his robe and, and sometimes uh, whatever else, you know. And that was, again, a testimony against the people. As God, as these things leave my body, uh, my clothing, so God is leaving you. And that's what he's saying. You're being left in the dust by your own choice. That may even be where the term 
originated from being left in the dust because you chose to ignore the message of God. And there's going to come a day for those who did not receive the message of God or did not receive it appropriately and respond correctly when they're going to wish very much so that they had. There's many people who will tell you today, hell's not a real place. <laughs> That's just a made-up story to scare people. Or, well, hell is just a, a thought. It's, it, it incorporates all of the mean and evil in the world. But it's not a real physical place. God would never send anybody there. Boy, talk about surprised. It's sad how many people are deceived to believe these lies. And the reason why they believe them so easily is because that's what they want to be true. And the reason why they want it to be true is because they know that if there truly is a person such as God and his son Jesus who died for their sins and is so righteous and holy and loving and kind and merciful and died in our place... And they know what kind of person they are. I mean, I know what kind of person I am. <laughs> and so they know that if it's true, they know they're guilty. They know they're sinners. And so it's easier to say, there is no heaven, there is no hell, there is no God, there is no devil. When you die, you just get eaten by worms, it's dust, and you're done, and it's over. Uh it's not what the Bible says. I know people like that don't believe the Bible. They don't accept the Bible as God's word. It's just fairy tale some men wrote. You know, if that were true, if the Bible were actually something that was just written by men, it would be written much differently than it actually is. There would be no warnings about living a righteous and holy life. If it was just written by men, why not? If you're going to go that way, why not just say, you can do anything you want to do, and in the end, you all go to heaven. You know, like the Disney movie, uh, all dogs go to heaven. Why not all people too? And some people actually believe that, that everybody's going to go to heaven in the end. No, that's not what the Bible teaches, folks. The purpose of Jesus sending out his disciples from village to village, and town to town, from house to house, two by two, and giving them authority over demons was so that people didn't have to believe the lie, so that people didn't have to die and go to hell for all of eternity and live in fire and brimstone, the lake of fire, for all of eternity and suffer that was why he did this. That was his whole purpose of sending them out. That's why it was an expression of his love and an extension to all of us of his love, of his self, saying, look, I have already died so that you don't have to. I've already paid this debt so that you don't have to. I've already taken all of the sin of mankind from first to last, from beginning to end. I've taken it all on myself. If you will just believe that, if you will put your faith in me for that, you will not have to suffer. 
you can spend eternity in heaven with me and my Father. It will be paradise. And they went out and preached to people should repent. What was the message of John the Baptist? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. What was Jesus' message? He took off right from where John left off. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he sends out his disciples two by two. And what do they preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, we don't know how long we have on this life, of this life left. It could be that one of us or all of us could be gone today to meet our maker. We don't know. So he's saying, be ready. Be assured that you know that if your time is up, you know you're going to be with your heavenly Father. You're coming to see Jesus at his home while he has been here with you in your home. Now it's time to go be with him in his. We don't know how long we have. You know, I can remember some people that I went to high school with that are now gone. And I suspect that several of them did not make it to heaven, especially given the way they died. But we never know how long we have. I know that sometimes little children die, infants die. And we say, oh, why would God do that? Well, why wouldn't he do that? Why did it have to be me? Why wouldn't it be you? I mean, we have the wrong mindset. It's all about me, all about mine, all about my family. God is omnipotent. He can do whatever he wants to do. And it's right when he does it. We may not see it that way, at least not at the moment. But we don't see down the road into the future. He does. I think many people die at the time they die as a way of preserving them from something far worse that they would have gotten into. Just my personal thought. Can't show you that in Scripture. But we don't know. But it also says they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, not only are they proclaiming the truth of God's message, but they're demonstrating the power and the love of that message by delivering people from their sickness, delivering people from from evil spirits that have tormented them, sometimes probably for years and years and years. You know, I've met several people in my lifetime. I remember uh, even when I was in the Navy, I met this person that was always depressed. I mean, just constantly this person was depressed. It was never anything good. You you could point out all the good things around them, and they couldn't see it. They would always find something negative about even the good things. I believe that that's caused by a demon 
that has attached themselves to that person's life and is keeping them focused away from the love of God, away from the glory of God, away from the goodness of God and his blessings. Now, we can choose to focus on all of the bad things that go on in, in this life, and we can be miserable right along with the devil, and it's, he's causing that misery, and then he wants you to wallow in it. Or we can look at what God is doing to change those things one soul at a time, one event at a time, one person at a time. God is changing those lives. That person that I told you about got led to the Lord and was never depressed again, as far as I know. They accepted Jesus. They could then begin to see what was good. Before, they couldn't see it at all. Everything was bad. Everything was bad. We need this old-fashioned type of proclamation and demonstration once again. And I believe that in these end days, we are going to see more and more of the miraculous things happen. Why? Because it's needed. It's needed now more than ever. There are so many people, young people are being taught in school hellish things. Their, their minds are being confused, even about their own sex. Well, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. And then they go ask an adult, well, what is a girl? What is a boy? Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, how stupid do you have to be to not know the difference between a male or a female? Come on. Little kids know that difference. And yet, the devil has set himself up in our houses of education. And it's sickening. It's sickening. And if we, the church, don't stand against it, who will? Tell me, who will? If God's people don't stand up and, and pray against this and yell it against it, who will? Tell me. The devil's not going to put it down. He's the one that's caused it. That only leaves one other option. That's us, God's people. We need to stand on the truth. No matter how many lies come, the truth always, always wins. The truth always wins. Why? Because the truth can be proven. A lie can never be proven because it's false. Now, let me ask you this. Who does the Bible say is a liar and the father of all lies? So where is this coming from? It's not coming from the church, I hope. Unfortunately, there are some pulpits that's buying into the lies. They're just going right along with it. They're just selling out in the wild blue yonder to destruction. As long as I live, I will never stop preaching, teaching, believing the truth. How about you? Do you stand on the truth of the word of God? If you go out two by two, are you going to 
go out and tell the truth, or are you going to compromise? And say, well, you know, it's just another form of love. God is love, so it can't be bad. And yet, the Bible says, it's an abomination to God. It also says it's an abomination for a man to dress like a woman and a woman to dress like a man. It's not the parts of Scripture that we can't understand that people have a problem with. It's the parts of Scripture that we do understand. The parts that's made very clear are the ones, the very ones, that people rebel against. It's our job to tell the truth. No matter what, no matter who it's to, it can be the President of the United States. We still have an obligation to tell him the truth. He may not accept it, or she, whatever, might be at the case at the time, but we still have an obligation to tell him. If you don't, repent of your sinfulness. Confess your sins. Repent of them and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You will burn in hell for all of eternity. And it doesn't matter if you're a king, if you're a queen, if you're uh, uh, you know, a pauper. It makes no difference. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. And we're all going to be equal on judgment day. Because none of us, none of us are going to be able to stand before God and say, Look at me, I'm so good. Don't work that way. He's good. Let all men be a liar and God be true. That's what the Bible says, folks. So, where do we stand? Are we standing on the truth? Are we following and proclaiming the truth? And are we willing to have faith to demonstrate the power of the truth? If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Wayne. Our hymn, hymn of invitation will be number 361, Only Trust Him. Let's all stand, please. If you have a need, come forward.
seated, please. <coughs> Brother Mitch, you have anything you want to add? Uh, no, just I know that a lot of people like me are suffering with these uh, allergies, oh, yeah. sinuses, whatever it is, so pray for each other. Okay. The only addition that I had been given was um, to add to the list, prayer list. Today. Remember the class tonight at uh, yeah. um, 5 o'clock? Yes. All right. Jim? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Five Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. All right, let's stand together and be dismissed, and don't forget uh, the Christmas uh, meeting. Yeah, Christmas light meeting is going to be, where are you meeting at, out there? Okay, out in the sanctuary, or uh, out in fellowship hall, sorry. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for being with us one more time this morning. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, if it weren't for your word your truth. None of us would know you. None of us would be saved. So Lord, help us to get this truth out. The more people who hear the truth, the more we'll be saved. I understand not all will be, but they weren't when you preached it either. So Lord, help us to be resolute, to be bold, and to stand for you, and to introduce people to you. And Lord, we just pray that your kingdom will grow. Use us for your glory as we go from this place. Watch over us, protect us, and bring us back. Lord, at the next appointed time, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God be with us all till we meet again. God be with you till we meet.